0: Welcome to week number four uh, in our series called Daring Faith, and uh, we're, we're discovering really what it takes to really go down even deeper in our relationship uh, with Jesus Christ and, and what it means to really live by faith. Uh, faith is not just a belief. Faith is actually taking action and putting feet on what we believe, uh, and, and so this is week number four, uh, so go ahead and, and open up your Valley Christian Church app, and you can find Just follow right along, fill in the blanks there. If you haven't downloaded it, I encourage you to do that. We've heard a lot of great feedback about that, how people are utilizing that, and it's just helping them even to reinforce and go deeper uh, in their study together. And and during our time today, week number four, I want to talk about daring to be generous. Daring to be generous. Man, it, it takes some faith to be generous. And uh, As we start off and we talk about this, I just want to make this statement that I believe is true. Uh, For every single one of us, if we really want to uh, build our lives on the blessings of God and experience the blessings of God in our lives, they're built on three things, three primary things. I'll just hit these real quick, a little extra for you. Uh, The first is integrity, the second is humility, and the third is Generosity. If we want to just experience all God has for us, it takes those three things that we build our lives on, integrity, humility, and generosity. And here's the thing, all three of those require faith. All three of those require faith. It's hard to have integrity to do the right thing no matter what the consequences are. It requires faith. I'm trusting somehow God's gonna work this out because I'm doing the right thing instead of the easy thing that may be the opposite of what God wants. Humility takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? I'm not going to promote myself. I'm not going to, you know, give everybody a commercial about how wonderful and how great I am. I'm going to trust God to promote me. That, takes, that Humility takes faith. And so does generosity. Generosity takes faith as well. And so we'd really be amiss if we're doing a a six-part, seven-part series about faith and and daring faith and not talk about this issue uh, of generosity. Did you know that in the Bible there are over 7,000 promises that God has made? 7,000 promises in the pages of Scripture that God's made that he wants to make good good, uh, on in your life and in my life. And I've said this before, I think it's important as we start talking about daring generosity, daring to be generous, every promise has a premise. Every promise has a premise. Every single promise that God has, he says, if you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. And so if we're going to experience the blessed life that God desires for us and the full life and fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life, we need to understand not just the promise, but also the premise. Every promise has a premise. And did you know there are more promises related to generosity in the Bible than any other subject, including salvation? How about that? Including salvation, more promises that have to do with generosity. Why is God so interested in our generosity? Why is this such a big deal to God? Because of this, generosity is love in action, Generosity is love in action. Let me put it this way You can give without loving, but it's impossible to love without giving. Let me say that again. You can give without loving, but it is an impossibility to say that you love someone or love something and you don't give to it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Love always gives. Let me, let, me, let me just talk to the single ladies for a little bit. If you meet Mr. Wonderful and he's Mr. Tightwad Stingy, he is not in love with you. Don't marry him. Doesn't matter what he says. Oh, I love you, I love you. If he's a tightwad, he doesn't love you. Keeping it real here tonight. If, if As a husband, if I'm not generous with my wife, I don't love her. Love gives because love is selfless everything else is selfish and so it's impossible to love without giving generosity is love in action love is all about giving lust is all about getting big difference between love and lust lust is this is what you can do for me come on show you this is what you can do for me love is this is what I want to do for you because I love you. Big difference between love and lust. I did a little Bible study in preparation for, for this topic. It's pretty amazing. I looked up the word believe. How many of you say that's a pretty important Bible word, believe? Did you know the word believe in, in English translation, the word believe appears 272 times in the Bible? seems like God's like, that's important, believe. Then I looked at the word pray. How many? Let's just pray, play that, uh, greater than, less than. How, how many of you think pray is in the Bible more than believe? Let me see your hands. Okay, how many of you think less than believe? How many of you just aren't doing anything? You're not even going to raise your hand or anything like that? I'm just dialed out, okay. Believe uh, is in the Bible 272 times. Pray 371 times. 371 times. Love, how many think that's probably important to God, huh? Love. Love is in the Bible, the word love, 714 times. 714 times. Watch this now. The word give. Love is in the Bible 714 times. The word give, 2,152 times. What? Three times as many times as love. Three times as many times as love. And so what? Generosity is love in action. God's all about not just talking the talk, I love you, baby, but walking the walk. Generosity is love in action. Everything that you and I have in our life is because God loves us and He's a giver. Everything we have your health, your IQ. Your relationships, your, even your ability to go to work and, and make a paycheck, make a living. It's all a gift from God. The breath in your lungs, you didn't decide to be born. God decided. Life itself, everything we have in our life is because God's a giver. He's generous, and here's the thing. He wants his children to have a family resemblance to him. He wants you and I to look like him. God is full of love, and God is a giver as well. And, and so as we get started, I, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, with all this in mind, how much the Bible talks about generosity, and we're just scratching the surface. There's no way uh, 2,152 uh, times it's mentioned in the Bible we can do anything even close to a, uh, more than just scratching the surface. This is not even a survey. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, it puts it this way. Since you excel in so many ways... In your faith, excel in faith, so we see these things are connected, watch. Your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us. Look at this connection that's made in Scripture. I want you to excel also in what? In this gracious act of giving. Learn to excel in the gracious act of giving. Some translations put it this way. I want you to grow. I want you to grow in the act of giving. Of giving, the gracious act of giving. Many of you remember back in uh, 2014, uh, we, we just had an opportunity as a church family to be generous, and, and even those of you that are in Poughkeepsie viewing this message, uh, you, you're there because of generosity. Some of you that were there, but some that came since then, that, that, that it's because of the generosity of the Valley family, we were able to start a second campus, And the way that we did that, we talked about how this plan that we've discovered here at Valley Christian Church, how we can grow in our generosity. Let's put up that next slide, and this might look familiar to many of you. Some of you remember the generosity ladder, and we all took one step back in November of 2014, and that's what, because of the generosity, that's why we were able to start that new campus in Poughkeepsie. And so this is how we've seen the growth pattern. I've, I've, I've viewed this so many times and seen this so many times in the life of Christians that they grow in generosity. It starts off here, maybe a first-time giver. A first-time giver is just like, here's the offering. Okay, what do I have in my pocket? There, there's a little something. And, and then the, the step of growth from a first-time giver to an occasional giver. An occasional giver is someone that, that okay, I've I'm got, I'm got some plan or some intention of following through with generosity. And then taking that step and growing into an intentional giver, I've got some sort of pattern of generosity. It's not just my, my loose pocket change, but, but I've already determined and planned this is what I'm going to give on a regular basis, week in, week out, or month in, month out. That's an intentional giver. And, and then there's a tithing giver. What's A tithe. Uh, maybe down here, intentional giver, someone says, I'm going to give a percentage on an annual basis, generosity and income. The Bible teaches tithing it is really the, the baseline. And, and what is tithe? That word tithe means 10%. And, and so Susie and I, since we were young before we were married, we gave 10% of our gross income to the work of the Lord. Now we don't do that. We, we quit tithing. I just want to let you know that. We quit tithing. Because now we give 14% of our income to the work of God. And so that's above tithe. That's 1% more. That's a bold giver. And the reason why we have two campuses today, the reason why everything that you can see around you, everything that is Valley Christian Church, is because of the generosity of the Valley family. And so there in 2 Corinthians it says, I want you to excel, I want you to grow in the gracious act of giving, and so for many of us, we made two-year commitments, and, and uh, for those of you that made them, let me just ask you, how are you doing on those? It ends in December, December of this year. Susie and I made a two-year commitment. We're 75%. We've already paid it, 75%, done. And so we're right on schedule that we'll, we'll finish at the end of the year, just as was planned. And so if you've never done this before, the Bible says, grow in the grace of giving. So where would you identify yourself on this generosity ladder? It's so important that we grow, that we take just one step, three, four, five. That's hard for all of us. But just taking one step at a time and growing in generosity. I want to share with you now what happens every time I give eight benefits. Now here's the thing. Every promise has a premise. These benefits we're going to talk about, these are just for those that are generous. Because God says, if you do this, I'll do this. Every promise has a premise, 7,000 promises as we looked at in scripture. Every one of them has a premise. But when you and I give, there's so much more, and I had to whittle this down, I actually had 12 benefits, but we just don't have time to get through all 12. So I'm just like, all right, let's just nail eight. Eight benefits of what happens when I give. Here's the first thing that happens when you and I are generous. Generosity honors God. We honor God when we're generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 13 puts it this way, you will be glorifying God through your words you say. Nope. You glorify God through your bumper magnet. No. You glorify God through your generous gifts. Your generosity will prove this is crazy. This is Bible. Your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Wow. It's like the scripture tells us, put your money where your mouth is. Don't just talk the talk. Walk it out. Your generosity will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. Proverbs 14.31 puts it this way. Whoever is generous to the needy honors God. And so the flip side of that is true as well. And so every time that you and I are generous, it honors God. Here's a second benefit of when we're generous. Generosity draws me closer to God. Generosity actually draws me closer to God. Whatever I invest in is what I'm interested in. I I used to play golf. Uh, I wasn't very good at it, but I loved it. And so one of the first things I did, you know, I needed the right clubs. And I made an investment because I really, really loved the game. Whatever we love, you know what, we'll invest in. Generosity draws us closer to God. It, when we love God, you know what, we're going to invest in his plan, in his purpose, in his kingdom, in his work on planet Earth. Generosity draws me closer to God. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23 puts it this way. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. Generosity is tied to what really is God's priority in our life. The purpose of tithing is to teach every one of us to always put God first in our lives. Jesus put it this way. Matthew 6, 21, where your, heart, uh, where your heart will be wherever your treasure is. Your heart will be wherever your treasure is. And so I say all the time, and I think it's very true, you know, we can tell what's really priority in our life by looking at our checkbook, by looking at our calendar and our schedule and our priorities, how we use our time, but also looking at our checkbook. where did you get an idea like that from, Greg, the Son of God? Jesus, your heart will be wherever your treasure is. Wherever it is, that's where your heart will be. So my generosity actually draws me closer to God as I invest in his work on the planet. Here, here's the third uh, benefit that happens every time I give. Generosity, watch this now. No one's gonna applaud at this, I bet. <laughs> generosity cures materialism. Oh. It is the only cure for materialism, generosity. Jesus put it this way in, in Matthew chapter six, verse 24, "You cannot serve both God and money. It is impossible, it cannot be done. You're either going to serve. God's going to be first or money's going to be first. It's impossible to serve both of them. One is going to be the master. One is going to be the motivation in your life, and the other is going to be secondary, a far second. Jesus said you can't do it. None of us can. You cannot serve both God and money. Generosity cures materialism. Listen, it is so easy, isn't it? It, The trap is so subtle. It is so easy to make the mistake of believing my net worth determines my self-worth. But nothing could be farther from the truth. What determines your self-worth? The cross of Jesus Christ tells how much you're worth not your net worth. The fact that God bankrupted heaven by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life and to die a sacrificial death, substitute for you and for me, paid the penalty we deserve for our sins and rose again on the third day as we'll celebrate coming into this Easter season. You cannot serve both God and money, generosity cures materialism. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17, is pretty interesting what the scripture tells us there. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Let's just pause right there, time out. Yeah, well Greg, they're talking about rich people, come on. <laughs> let me say, yeah, well, I'm not rich, you know. Uh, I'm not Donald Trump or anything like that. Listen, d- if you own an automobile, you are the wealthiest, top 1% human beings ever to walk on the planet. Don't shout me down now with the amens. <laughs> See, we, we always think rich is the other guy. Listen, we have crazy stuff. We're so crazy rich in this country, we have buildings just to put our cars in called garages so they don't get wet in the rain and we don't have to knock the snow off. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculously wealthy. And so this applies to us. This applies to us. Even the poorest, poorest of the poor in the United States still globally is considered wealthy. Still considered wealthy. When when we go to Eastern Europe and the average household income there in Eastern Europe, $50 a month, a month. We're wealthy. I remember when we went to Ukraine the first time in 2008, and we went and we, we went to the abandoned children's homes, and we saw the children that, that literally our friend uh, has an abandoned children home, and he goes into Ukraine and he pulls up the manhole covers of the sewers, and there's children living down in the sewers. and he takes them back to his home, and they raise them, and they adopt them until they can find family for adoption. I remember our kids, we brought gifts to them and we gave them money and and all these things. And I remember it just impacted our girls so much. They were so young. They were like 12, 10, and eight years old when we took them to Kiev, Ukraine the first time. I remember we returned home from that trip. We got back to the United States. You know, I just kissed the ground when I got off the plane like, thank you, Jesus, I'm an American. Loved this nation. I remember we got back to our house and we were all unpacking. My middle daughter, Brooke, was 10 years old at the time. We're looking around, where's Brookie? I walked upstairs, opened the door to her bedroom, and she was just laying face down in her bed, crying, sobbing. (laughs) I said, what is it, honey? She said, we have too much. We have too much. We have too much. I'm so glad we took our daughters on that trip when they were young, because our girls, they like nice stuff, but they are not materialistic at all. They don't have to have the name brand swag to feel like they're important, because they've seen how people really live in this world, and they realize how blessed we are just because we have a little. Jesus said, command those, I'm sorry, the scripture says in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul, is. Command command them to be generous and willing to share those who are wealthy. And it goes on and says, In this way, they will take hold of life that is true life. How are they going to do it? Through generosity. Not putting our hopes in our wealth and money that's so deceitful. But, But by being generous, in this way, they will take hold of life that is truly life. Generosity cures materialism. Here is the fourth benefit every time we give. Generosity demonstrates faith. That's why we need to talk about it in this series. It actually demonstrates where our faith really is or where our faith really is not. Every time you're generous, you're proving your faith is in God to provide for you. Every single time. Every single time you know, Susie and I transfer those funds on a monthly basis, 10% plus, every time we do that we're saying, God, you're first and we believe you can bless our 90% and it will be greater than if we held on tight and thought we were doing this for ourselves. Every single time. Every time you're generous, you're proving your faith is in God to provide for you, not you to provide for yourself. Let me flip that around Stinginess, being a miser, tight-fisted, is a symptom, I don't trust you, God. I don't really believe you can take care of me. Stinginess is a symptom of unbelief. Generosity is a symptom, a sign of I have faith in God, that he's gonna, I can trust him, he's gonna take care of me. Look at what the Bible says. Maybe you don't agree with what I said there. Look, let's look at what the Bible said. 2 Corinthians 9, 13. Your very giving proves the reality of your faith. Our generosity proves where our faith really is. Your very giving proves the reality of your faith. Philemon in the New Testament, 1.6, puts it this way. You're generous. Why? Because of your faith. Generosity is the fruit of faith. Generosity is the fruit of faith. So generosity in and of itself demonstrates the faith that I actually have, the belief that I have in God. Number five is this, generosity reveals my character, what's really on the inside of me. Generosity reveals my character. Let me ask you this. Don't don't think about this for the person sitting next to you. Just ask this yourself, answer this yourself. Do you have a generous heart or a selfish heart? That's about the character inside. What am I really like on the inside? See, God uses money to see if he can trust us with more responsibility. God uses money to see if he can trust us with more responsibility. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 11, if you're unworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Money is a test. Money's not bad. It's not evil. A lot of people misquote that verse in the Bible. They say, well, isn't money evil? No. The Bible says the love of money, put in money first, that's evil. The pursuit of money, that money is the motivating, driving factor in my life, that's evil because it's put before God. The love of money is the root of all evil. But money is a test. It tells really where our heart is. And so Jesus says if we're untrustworthy if we don't handle what God's given to us in a way that glorifies him if we're untrustworthy with worldly wealth who will trust you with the true riches of heaven Another place Jesus put it this way He who is faithful in little will be given much I talk to so many people they say well you know if when I make when I win the lottery then I'll be generous you ain't winning the lottery sweetheart it's not going to happen why would God trust you with that? Why would God trust you with that? Because every one of us, we may not have a lot, but we've got something. It may be small, but we've got something. And how we handle that something determines if God can give us more. And he knows when, 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 if Greg will handle that little something right, I can give him more because he's not going to keep it to himself. He's developed a character of generosity. And so I know I can give him up because he'll continue to be generous. It's not when I get it, then I'll be generous. What are you being generous with right now? If you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, Jesus said, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? So generosity reveals my character. Here's the sixth benefit that happens when we're generous generosity brings God's blessings. God just blesses generous people. He blesses them. In Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 10, it puts it this way, give generously, not stingily, give generously. Then because of this, God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. How about that for a promise? That's a promise with a premise. God, bless me, just bless my work, bless my business. God, I just pray for your blessing. He goes, I want to. You move first. You meet the premise, I'll keep the promise. And I don't know about you, but man, straight up, I want God to bless the work of my hand. How about everything I put my hand to? God says, Greg, are you generous? Are you generous? If you're generous, I'll bless you what a promise. I will bless you in all your work, in everything you put your hand to. Generosity brings God's blessing. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 and 8 puts it this way. God loves the ones who give gladly. Gladly. Not like it's painful and they're having surgery or something. God loves the ones who give gladly, and God Look at this promise. God will make it up to you. See, it all boils down to this. Trust, faith. Do I really believe God will make it up to me? By giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. I remember Susie and I, you know, there's one thing we did figure out when we were younger. And that was this when God blesses us financially, it's not more for us, it's more for others. That that, that whenever there's a situation that we may experience that may be a little bit more, it's not for Greg, it's not for Susie, it's not just for our kids, it's so we can bless other people. Because God will make it up to us. You can't, you've probably heard that, you can't outgive God, it's impossible. Because God's a giver. He says, Greg, you give. You're generous. Watch what I'll do. I'll give you more. All right, you're going to be generous again. I'll give you more. You're going to continue to be just. I'll give you more. Because I can trust you. You're not going to be selfish with what I give you. God will make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more. So that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others seventh benefit to generosity and like I said there's a whole lot more than just we're talking about here in the pages of scripture we're just scratching the surface generosity actually multiplies my money it actually multiplies my money in Proverbs 11:25 this is pretty cool it says give freely and become more wealthy this is like an immutable law of the universe Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. Stingy people lose everything, including their peace. Including their peace. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous, what happens to the generous? They prosper. That doesn't even make sense in our heads. But that's God's arithmetic. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed, and and so it looks like, you know, in order to have more, I've got to keep a stronger hold on things, and God says, no, be generous, be generous, give freely, and become even more wealthy, but at the same time, if, if we're stingy, then we even lose what it is that we have, trust God, and give. I heard it put this way before. A pastor said, Your arithmetic may not, may, may not work out on paper, but God's arithmetic will work out in your life. Listen, I'm paying three college tuitions right now. How are you doing that, Greg? Because we had three children, and we knew it was going to happen one day. That's how. <laughs> and you know what we decided? when we had three little babies birth two and four years old god we're going to put you first because we want we want to be generous because we know we need your blessing on our lives, and so we're going to be generous we're going to be givers and every year we we look at our books how can we be even more generous percentage-wise than we were last year how can we give more When times have gotten tough, and there have been some tough times. There have been times when uh, years and years ago, we couldn't even make payroll at the church. And I told the administrator at the time, I said, pay everybody else, skip me. What are you going to do? I'm going to trust God. That's what I'm going to do. Gone months without getting a check. Somehow, we didn't starve to death. Somehow, we're still here. And so we've seen this so many times in our lives and in our marriage. And so as we talk about this, you know, it's not something that I want from you. If someone in the offering today put a million dollars, guess how much more I'm going to see in my check? Nothing. My salary's set. This isn't to, to drum up money. This isn't because something I want from you. This is something I want for you. I, I, Susie and I were talking, we were praying about this. We're like, Lord, we just want everyone to experience the blessings that we have in our lives. And, and many of you have as well. Generosity multiplies our money. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 puts it this way. You will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. God says, I'm going to bless you. Why? Not just for you, so you can be even more generous. And that's why every time we, we bump up against blessing, we're like, okay, God, who do you want us to bless? Because we're blessed to be a blessing, not just to be a, a big bowl where we keep it all to ourselves. And so you'll be enriched so that you can give even more generously. Here's the eighth. Here's the eighth benefit. And like I said, there's even more, but this is all we have time for. Generosity will be remembered in heaven. See, there's one thing that we can do on this earth that will count for all eternity. You know what it is? Generosity. Generosity. That's what Jesus said. Luke chapter 16, verse 9. Here's the lesson, Jesus said. Use your worldly resources on yourself and your family. That's not what he said. What did he say? As he was talking to impoverished people, That when they prayed, give us this day our daily bread, it wasn't a metaphor. They didn't know when the next meal was coming. And Jesus said, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, in other words, when you die, they will welcome you to an eternal home. What's he saying there? Just just try to pay people off? That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, use your resources God's given to you to impact others for the cause, for my cause, for the kingdom of God. Let me ask you this question. Is anyone going to heaven because of the way you've used your money? I don't know about you, but I, I don't want just hundreds of people in heaven saying thank you, great. I want thousands, thousands. And, and there are hundreds of people in the last uh, 16 to 18 months that have walked through the doors of Valley Christian Church here in Hopewell and in Poughkeepsie where where you're viewing this today. And it's because of the generosity of the Valley family. And so that's what Jesus said. Use your, your resources to benefit others. Everything I spend on myself in this life is lost, it's gone. Everything I invest in God's work and in other people's lives will be remembered in heaven. And so right now I just want to close and one of the staff members showed me this this video. Just just, just two minutes real quick and it just kind of summarizes everything we're talking about, an answer to the question, why do we give? And so I just want to show that right now and then pray uh, and then we'll we'll be done with the message. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we pray that you would inspire us to grow in the grace of giving. May we give generously. May we give cheerfully. And may our gifts be used to bring your kingdom closer on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.